when you go out of this place into a broken world, and we've got to admit it is a broken world, you may feel it sometimes with the Holy Spirit, you are never, ever alone. You don't need a Master's of Divinity degree to drop in and care for someone who needs you. You don't need to be the wisest theologian to witness to other people. God can and God will use you, yes you. You were made in the image of God, every last one of you. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So when I was last with you, I was walking through the gospel according to John. We're going to flip just one book over in the New Testament this morning to the book of Acts. So when we discussed the gospel of John previously, I shared with you that while John describes Jesus' coming on the scene in the New Testament, Jesus was always on the scene, even in the very beginning. If you recall, we went back and we looked at the words of the creation account in uh, Genesis, the first book of the Bible, in the very first chapter of the Bible, specifically the words of God, let us create in our image, our likeness. See, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're all present together. So similarly, when we read the words of Luke in just a minute from the uh, book of Acts, and the descriptions of the Holy Spirit coming on the early church, In Acts chapter 2, we probably need to remind ourselves that the Spirit was involved throughout all of God's larger story as well. So in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, we read about the beginning. It says, in the beginning, the earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So today we're going to discuss the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost. It's important for us to remember, however, that the Spirit was working within believers well before Pentecost and working within believers well after Pentecost as well. The presence of the Holy Spirit can be found working in the lives of people all throughout the Old Testament. Numbers and Deuteronomy and Ezekiel and Daniel and Micah, to name just a few. We know that the Spirit was with Jesus prior to Pentecost as well. In Matthew chapter 3, Mark chapter 1, Luke chapter 3, John chapter 1, we see this really cool account of how the Holy Spirit descends like a dove at Christ's baptism. So what is Pentecost? Well, today is Pentecost. It's a word that that's derived from Greek, Pentecoste, which literally means 50th day. So in recognition of the second of the three annual harvests, this Feast of Weeks was 50 days after Passover, 10 days after Christ ascended into heaven. 
So if you remember, Jesus was on earth for 40 days after his resurrection. 10 days after that is Pentecost. 40 plus 10 is 50. Somebody in the balcony is saying, you promised me we were not going to do math this morning. You promised. That's all the math that I have for you. So So in reading the account of Pentecost, you need to know that the Holy Spirit is the means through which God would empower and equip his followers to take the uh, gospel and the good news of Jesus throughout all of the earth. And in further extension, it's how God empowers and equips us as well to go out and tell others about Jesus. Jesus tells his apostles, and Pastor Adam covered this a week or two ago, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So like the apostles as people of faith, we also have this power of the Holy Spirit. So the uh, Pentecost account is really detailed in Acts chapter 2, and that's where we're going to read from this morning. Modern translations have titles for different sections, and they title this section, The Coming of the Holy Spirit, or The Holy Spirit Comes at Pentecost. So we're going to read verses 1 through 13 uh, from Acts chapter 2, and it's really broken down into two parts. Verses 1 through 5 describe the coming of the Holy Spirit on believers, and the verses 6 through 13 describe the reaction of the Jewish crowd to these spirit-filled Christians. And they have an interesting reaction, some of them. So we'll read about that in just a minute. If you're reading here uh, live and in color, it's on page 1135 on the Pew Bibles. If you have your own Bible, it's in the New Testament, about six books in. If you're on your phone, then you're on your own. Uh, So uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So here we see followers of Jesus all together. I think most would take that to mean the roughly 120 Christians or followers of Jesus uh, at the time. It's probably a pretty crowded place. Take no offense to this, but I don't know that I want 120 of you in my house, around my house, all at the same time. Sometimes five people and two dogs and a couple fish, it's about as much as my house can hold. So we've talked a lot already in Acts about the early church being in community with one another, doing life together. Here in Scripture, we read again, they were all together in one place. So they're all together and something amazing happens. This mighty rushing wind enters. You've got to love that description. It's almost like you can feel a mighty rushing wind. It says that the mighty rushing wind filled the entire house. So the Greek word, and you may know this, for spirit is pneuma. The word means wind or breath. It's where we get the word pneumonia or pneumatic drill. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, meaning breath or wind. If you think back to Genesis chapter 2, God breathed the breath of life into man. Oftentimes what questions text in about, did Adam have a belly button? No, Adam didn't have a belly button because Adam breathed the breath of life into man. So here we see this mighty wind, this pneuma, filling the followers of Jesus with life as well. Verse 3, it says, And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit 
and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So here we can recognize the outpouring of the Holy Spirit by wind and fire. If that were not the case, why would I be wearing this ridiculous t-shirt today? It's for a purpose. The flames here may not have been literal flames. It may have been just a way to describe what was going on at the time. But then again, it may have been literal flames, and that wouldn't have been so far-fetched or uh, inconsistent with other parts of Scripture, because flames and fire in the Old Testament often represented the presence of God. Remember God speaking to Moses in the burning bush. Remember the pillar of fire that represented God's presence with his people as well. Here again we see fire, this fire representing the purification and power of speech of the disciples that would carry God's beautiful word to the ends of the earth. And it happened just as Jesus said it was going to happen. The Greek word used here for tongues also means languages. So they were speaking in other languages. Speaking in tongues may have a confusing connotation, so just know, amazingly, they were speaking in these other languages. So this wraps up the first part that I talked about a minute ago, verses 1 through 5, the coming of the Holy Spirit. We'll now turn to verses 6 through 13 to see the reaction of the, uh, of the crowd, the Jewish crowd. And the audience in the crowd here likely included Jewish pilgrims coming from far away to Jerusalem, but also local residents of, Jer- of Jerusalem as well. So here's a caveat before we get into this. If you've studied these geographies and you know the exact proper pronunciation of these towns, and I'm totally butchering this, you got to keep it to yourself, and you can't tell Pastor Adam when he returns, because I'm a student, a mere and lowly vicar, and I'm doing the best that I can, so... Buckle up and here we go. Verses 6 through 13. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia... Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Now listen to these two verses. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. You got to love that last line, right? Like they're talking other languages and the group's going, they're talking crazy. They got to be drunk. That's the only reasonable explanation. And we've all been to that event or that gathering where the one person who's been overserved is just kind of talking incessant nonsense. So some were amazed and perplexed. Others were like, no, 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 they're just filled with new wine. But Peter, later in this same chapter, is going to respond to this intoxication allegation He's going to say, it's not new wine, it's literally nine o'clock in the morning, so you got to give him a break. It's not time for beer, it's time for breakfast. And so I want to be clear about something here. What was going on wasn't liquor, they were truly speaking in other languages. It wasn't wine, it was the true working of the Holy Spirit. As I said a moment ago, these Christians were all together. 
We see the early church conversating and connecting with this very diverse crowd through the power of the Holy Spirit. It should encourage us, it should give us confidence to go out and to do the same. It's also a powerful reminder from this uh, Pentecost account of who our God is and who our God is for. See, the world out there will play favorites, but our Father never does. He isn't for one group, one language, one people, one place, one race. God is for all people. Ourselves, powered by the Holy Spirit, we carry the gospel, this good news, to other people. We have that fire within us, indwelled with the Holy Spirit. We should excitedly encourage others and tell others about our Jesus and what he has done for all people on the cross. So at this point, you may be saying, Adam, uh, that's a really powerful account that we just read about in Acts chapter 2. And I can easily see how the early church was moved and how they were motivated. But who am I? Who am I? Where's my mighty rushing wind? Friends, God may shout to you. He may move you with a mighty rushing wind. He might. But he may also come to you as he's come to me in seasons of my life in a whisper. You may feel like right now in this current season, and we've been through some tough years, you may feel like that is just a faint spark right now. You know what? That's okay. It's okay. And God may call you to travel the globe as a witness. Your heart lit a glow for the Lord, but do not discount that God may lead you next door, or he may lead you down the street, or he may lead you down the hallway of your own home or your own office to care for someone who is hurting. God may shout his plans for you as audibly and as clearly as you could possibly imagine, but God may come to you in your own brokenness and in your own hurt when you're most vulnerable and he may whisper, my child, I love you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And it's with that comfort that you receive from God and empowered by the Holy Spirit that you then go out and you whisper those words of comfort to other people. So Pastor Adam spoke to you a few weeks ago in introducing the book of Acts by describing the ordinary men and women that God has used throughout all of history. I came across the following as I was preparing some thoughts this week. I start with scripture and then I read some commentaries uh, and it describes the early church, these Galileans as they're referred to that we just read about in Acts. And I wanted to share this with you. So what I came across said this, the Galileans were generally considered by cosmopolitan Jews in Jerusalem and Jews in wider Judea to be uneducated and culturally backward. Has anybody ever called you culturally backward? I grew up in the heart of East Tennessee. I figured we were all just a little bit culturally backward. I don't know. Maybe we've got something in common, than we, more in common than we think with the early church. So it goes on to say the cosmopolitan Jews in Jerusalem were astounded 
that such people could speak other languages so fluently. So as you all know, I'm a seminary student and I'm studying really hard, probably gonna be reading for the next three years pretty much nonstop or so. Uh, but I want you to hear something this morning that may be different than what someone has told you or led you to believe in the past. So I want you to listen carefully. You don't need a seminary degree to tell others about Jesus. Alone you may feel unqualified and incapable, but the inescapable truth is that you have the power of the Holy Spirit and you have a story to tell. When you go out of this place into a broken world, and we've got to admit it is a broken world, you may feel it sometimes with the Holy Spirit, you are never, ever alone. You don't need a Master's of Divinity degree to drop in and care for someone who needs you. You don't need to be the wisest theologian to witness to other people. God can and God will use you, yes you, you were made in the image of God, every last one of you. Adam is our pastor. He's away this week. He'll be back next week. He's a good man. Most Sundays, he's the man up here with a microphone, but you all need to remember that you're missionaries. So my question is, where is God sending you this week? Will you pray with me? Gracious and merciful Father, we love you. May we continue to be your people all together. Ready our hearts and our minds to be missionaries. Give us strength and courage to boldly and lovingly tell others all about you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and guide our words as we witness to others. Send us where you would have us go. Lead us to the people and the places where your perfect will may be done. We pray all of this in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So this is the part of service where we take up an offering. If you came today prepared to give, you may do so in the popcorn buckets that are at the uh, back doors there. Uh, you can do so with cash, check, or chocolate. Just let me know you put chocolate in there so I can eat it. Uh, if you, somebody's clapping for that. If you uh, want to give online, you can do that too. Go to thepointknox.com, click on the little till icon, and you can set up a one-time payment. You can do what I do because I'm forgetful and set up a recurring remittance on there, but uh, whatever you give, however you give, know that you give to, uh, not to get God's love, but because we already have it. Also, if you want to put a connect card or a little prayer request in that box, I think we mentioned that in the popcorn buckets, but we'd love to connect with you, so feel free to do that too. Good morning. Good morning. Gather around the table. I know, right? You didn't bring snacks. Right. So this is the part of the service uh, that Pastor Adam does far better than I do, but it's the part where you get to text in and ask questions and do so anonymously. I'm going to answer the easy ones, and I fully anticipate kicking the hard ones or maybe doing a point leftover throughout the week. Again, I'm a student, so uh, be cautious, yeah. Well, we have three questions today. Okay. The first one is Pastor Adam Jr. Ooh. He's going to love that because I'm like 40 pounds bigger than Pastor Adam, but yeah, go ahead, yeah. 
I want that shirt. Where can I get one? Well, I'm glad you asked. Amazon.com is where I purchased this shirt. Hey. Uh, relatively cheaply, if I recall. So you can get anything on Amazon. Go to Amazon. We're doing a little plug for Amazon up here. So. All right. Second question is, um, this week I was with some people and they asked me to pray. I choked because I don't know how to pray out loud. How do I learn how to do it? Whew. Prayer is hard uh, for a lot of people. Prayer is hard for me, admittedly, sometimes. So I don't know if you noticed, hopefully you didn't, but I type mine out. I know sometimes it's appropriate to type it out if there's something that you want to convey, uh, convey specifically. Uh, mo- more often than not, it's just good to speak from the heart. And the truth of the matter is, I don't think there's any prayer that God's going to go, what? I don't think so. Get it together and get more eloquent, then come back. Who are you? And that's just not the case. So that's easy to say, and it's hard, especially in a public setting, to pray and do it with comfort. I would just say, practice praying uh, in private. It's a conversation. It doesn't need to be eloquent. It doesn't need to be a a set standard. Um, And just do it more and more. Sometimes people, I started off, um, and there's different forms of this, but uh, like acts. Oh, kind of plays in, right? Uh, You know, I start with adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, something like that. So, you know, you would say, God, you are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. We're Uh, the creator of the heavens and the earth. I confess to you that I have not loved you with my whole heart. I give thanks to you uh, despite my sins and shortcomings that you love me still, that your grace uh, abounds. It's grace upon grace. Father, just be with us, the sick, the, you know. So uh, that's a very candid way of doing it. But if that makes you feel more comfortable until you get in a better rhythm, do that. But the, the short answer is there's no wrong way to do it. Be empowered with the Holy Spirit. Be bold and have courage and, and just take that leap. Does the idea of the seven deadly sins have any biblical connection? Um, We haven't had a class on the seven deadly sins. I would say from what I remember of them, all of them are addressed throughout Scripture. You know, envy, greed, lust maybe, slothness. So I think they're addressed throughout Scripture. Christ spends a lot of time uh, talking about those things himself. So um, are they sins? Yes. I think going to the second part, deadly sins. Uh, I don't know what it exactly means. Maybe it's a good point left over. But when I think of deadly, it's something that uh, you die to or, that, you know, is like the unforgivable sin. And that's just not the case. So there is no sin that you're going to commit that can't be forgiven by God. Now, you know, if you essentially tell God, I don't want your forgiveness. I don't need you. Uh, I don't care what Jesus did for me. Well, God loves you enough to give you what you want. But the idea that there's six or seven enumerated sins or things that if you do these things, uh, man, there's no hope for you. I don't think there's any basis in Scripture for that. So uh, that may be a good leftover. Yeah, I think so. Awesome pronouncing those names. You crushed it and need to tell your seminary instructors, we said you deserve extra credit this week. (laughs) And I can use the extra credit. Yeah. So thank you for that. How can I be an effective witness if I fail in my walk with Christ and live live a fairly open book life? I haven't done anything like send a woman's husband to die in battle so I could be with her, but I still feel like I fail enough that nobody would listen. Yeah, uh, I've been there. I'm, I'm there sometimes in the present. So I would just encourage you to go back and again look at ordinary broken men and women. There are giants in the Bible that we look to. King David's one that comes to mind, an adulterer. You know, there's murderers, there's drunks, there's all these people that do really good things. God uses imperfect people for his perfect purposes all the time. So, uh, you know, even Paul himself, 
was one of the greatest persecutors of the Christian faith. He says, I still do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. The truth of the matter is we're sinful, broken people. If we were perfect robot witnesses, where's the need for Jesus in that? We need Jesus because we can't work our way to heaven. So we're all broken. We're all inadequate. We're all somewhat incapable. Uh, look at me. I've stumbled through this morning okay, I guess. So, uh, but have confidence. Be, be courageous and know that you have the power of the Holy Spirit and uh, just take that leap of faith. And it may start, I mentioned earlier, with the story. If you have a story and a testimony of how God has worked in your life, that's easy. You don't need to know, you know, Genesis to Revelation. You don't need to know every book of the Bible and the authors and study it detail. You can just say, man, let me talk to you about Jesus because I'll tell you where I was, you know, in my 20s or after I lost someone or I lost a job or, you know, this thing happened to me and man, he saw me through it. Empowered with the Holy Spirit, I uh, was able to do these things that on, on my own I couldn't do. So tell your story and start there. That's, that's pretty powerful. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, if we wait till we're perfect, you, we're not telling anybody it's about gonna Jesus. It's going to be a quiet world, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Last but not least, is there a Stone Cold Steve Austin convention in town? I knew it. They asked it last week. So for those of you that haven't been here week over week, they started off, I wore a red uh, buffalo plaid. They asked if there was a lumberjack convention, right? And then it was a Mr. Clean convention, so today it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. So I'll take it. I'll take it. Any other questions? That's it? That is it. All right. If that's it, then receive this blessing. May the Lord uh, bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.